Couldn't have picked a better one myself. It's top of the line. All the options. The only thing it can't do is fly. No, I'm just licking. This one is way out of my price range. Oh, see, now there's your problem. Price range is really just a frame of mind. The facts are that you work hard. You deserve this. And God wants you to be happy. Yeah, appreciate your enthusiasm, but um, God never said that. Did you know that a uh, new car salesman loses 30% of his value the second he leaves the lot? Yeah, true facts. Google it. <laughs> you gotta love those. Well, good morning, Orchard. Good to see you guys here this morning. Take out your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15, and your Bibles, your mobile devices, whichever you choose to use. If you don't have one, don't worry about it. We'll also uh, put some verses on the screen, but we do want to encourage you, if you're regular here, to, to bring your Bibles so we can follow along. As you're finding your way there this morning, um, I just want to thank all of you who invited your friends, coworkers, neighbors, family members to our six Easter services, one of our six services that we had last weekend. We had two on Saturday night. We had four on Sunday, three in English, one in Spanish, and we had over 3,662 attend one of our six services. Can we, can we praise God for that? Amen. And uh, we had over 275 first-time guests that indicated they were guests. And best news of all is that you guys helped 162 people find Jesus on Easter weekend. So can we give it up? Come on, church. Let's celebrate that big. Amen. That's awesome. That is, that is incredible. So I can't thank you guys enough. All of you who invited people, you prayed. A lot of you I know served in multiple services. Those of you who generously, regularly give here at Orchard made all of it possible. You had a part in seeing lives change last Easter weekend. I especially want to thank many of you in this service who were willing to show up on Saturday night to free up uh, seats on Sunday because it made a big difference. Some of you responded a little too well. We had over 950 at our 5 o'clock service. I was like, nobody's going to even come the rest of the services, but they did. And it was just an incredible weekend, and we just praise God for it. So now pray for those guests that came, those that made decisions that we can help them follow Jesus now that they found Jesus. Today, as you saw, we're starting a brand new series called God Never Said That, and we are looking at cultural beliefs about statements that are attributed to God that God never really said. Uh, we're going to look at things like next week, we're going to talk about people that say, you know, it doesn't matter what you do, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. God never said that. Uh, we're going to talk about this statement. God told me to fill in the blank. You ever heard somebody say that? And you're like, really? God told you that? And, and then there's this statement. You know, uh, God will never give you more than you can handle. How many of you have ever heard that? God will never give you more than you can handle. God actually never said that. We'll talk about that on Mother's Day. Today, we're going to deal with a really popular one, and that is people say, well, God just wants you to be happy. God just wants you to be happy. Now, I would love this morning to, to tell you all that on the authority of God and his word, that ultimately his highest priority for you is for you to be happy. I'd love to be able to tell you that. He just wants you to enjoy life, that you're going to have a pain-free life, no get difficulties, no challenges. I could even uh, use a verse in the Bible, believe it or not. Psalm 97, 12, it says, may all who are godly be what? Be happy. May all who are godly be happy. So God ultimately just wants you to be happy. I'd love to be able to tell you that. You know, I get so excited about that and, and happy. It makes me just want to dance. Because I'm happy. Clap along Come on. you feel like a room without a roof. Because I'm happy. Clap along if you 
Okay, I did, we just got to have... <laughs> Hopefully that made you happy at church this morning. It did not make my wife happy when she found out I was going to do that. It made her embarrassed. But uh, is it okay to have fun in church still here at Orchard? Amen? <laughs> Listen, we're going to talk about this. Does God ultimately want you to be happy? Is that his highest priority for you? And you have this in your notes. I hope you take some notes. I want to talk first about the theology of happiness. If you believe that ultimately God just wants you to be happy, it leads to some misconceptions and challenges about God. You have them in your notes. The first one is this, is whatever makes me happy must be right, and whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. That's what we end up believing if we ultimately believe God just wants us to be happy. I mean, after all, Shel Crow sang a song, if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. You know, probably not good to get your theology from Sheryl Crow, just throwing that out there. Here's another problem with the theology of happiness. If we believe that ultimately God's highest priority is just our happiness, then we'll believe that discomfort, delay, risk, and suffering, inconvenience as obstacles can't be God's will. I mean, if, if ultimately God just wants us to be happy, then any challenges and difficulties in life, well, that can't be of God, that can't be God's will. And so we believe that. And then the results of these beliefs lead to this. Number three, without knowing it, I begin to worship the false gods of comfort, money, pleasure, and things. That I begin to worship those things. If I believe that ultimately God's highest priority is he just wants me to be happy. And this is what it leads to when we believe in the theology of happiness, that God's ultimate priority is our happiness, then we start to believe this, that God exists to serve me. And the truth is, we exist to serve God. We, he doesn't exist to serve me, I exist to serve him. And if we're not careful, if we believe in the theology of ultimate happiness, and that's what God wants more than anything, then we reduce God to what I call a cosmic Coke machine. You know, you walk up to the Coke machine, you put your dollar in, you expect something in return. If we believe that ultimately God just wants us to be happy more than anything else, you know, listen, God, I went to church, I said my prayers, I threw a dollar or two in the offering bucket, I helped a little old lady across the street, and God, I swerved to miss the neighbor's cat. You owe me, God. You know, God, you, you owe me, I, you need to make sure that I'm happy. And the tragedy of this belief that God has said that he just wants you to be happy, when we're not happy, we think God failed. Because we're expecting ultimate happiness. And, and a lot of people, unfortunately, walk away from God and they leave God because they're like, well, I tried church, I tried God, I'm still sick, I still hate my job, I, I never have enough money, and I'm not happy. And the truth is, we started with the wrong presupposition about God, thinking that God just ultimately, more than anything else, wants us to be happy. Now that I've depressed everyone this morning at Orchard Church, <laughs> letting you know that God's ultimate highest priority for your life is not your happiness, even though I don't believe God's highest priority for our life is that we're happy, I do believe that God delights in the happiness of his children. Can we agree with that? Say yes. I do believe that because he's our heavenly father. And if we've accepted Christ, we're his sons and daughters. We are his children. And I know how I am as a father with my kids. I know I've mentioned many times my son plays college baseball in Nebraska and we don't get to see him very often, but we're always following his games online. And yesterday, you know, they, they played him online. I watched both of his games and um, he's on the best team he's ever played for. His college team is uh, they're going back and forth between first place and second place in their conference. Their conference championship is coming up in a couple of weeks in Missouri. And he's like, Dad, this is the best team I've ever been on. I really think we have a chance to win the conference championship. It's going to be amazing. And if we do, I'm going to get a conference championship ring. And as 
a father, it, I delight in the happiness of my son. You know, I'm excited to see that he's happy and I'm happy for him. But if I were to go to the conference championship and let's say they win the conference championship and they're all running around, they're all excited, but then they walk by the other team and they're like, in your face, sucker. You know, you guys suck. Now my highest priority is no longer his happiness. It's his character and integrity. Are you all with me? Say yes. And I believe that the same is true with God. His highest ultimate priority is not our happiness, but I do believe he delights in seeing us happy, but not at all cost. And I would argue this all day long. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. That ultimately, ultimately, God does not want us to pursue happiness. He wants us to pursue him. Let me say that again. Ultimately, God doesn't want us to pursue happiness. He wants us to pursue him. A great example of this is in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 15. You have it right there. Let's take a look at it. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. And it says this. But now you must be happy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is happy. Is that what it says? Some of y'all are like, what version is he reading out of today? Okay. <laughs> That's the nearly inspired version. No, that, but that's how a lot of people view God. When people think that God just ultimately wants us to be happy, that's how they read this. But let's, let's read it for what it actually says. But now you must be, say it, church, holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. His highest priority is not our happiness, it's our holiness. It's that we pursue Him, we're in a right relationship with Him. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Because I am holy. And let me just in your notes give you two times that at least in my life, I know for sure these two times, God doesn't want me happy. God doesn't want me happy, number one, when it causes me to do something wrong or unwise. Could we agree with that? God doesn't want me ultimately to be happy if it causes me to do something wrong or unwise, something sinful or something stupid. Same with my kids. You know, I, I delight in their happiness, but not if it causes them to do something wrong or unwise or hurtful or harmful uh, to them. Uh, you know, the, the writer of Hebrews says this, that there's pleasure in sin for a season. How many of you all would agree that there's fun in sin for a season? If somebody says, you know, there's no fun in sin, you're not doing it right. Okay? There's pleasure in sin. There's fun in sin. There may be a momentary happiness. But when that season is over, there's regret. There's shame. There's consequences. There's challenges. There's messes and difficulty. Proverbs 14, 12 says it this way. There's a path before each person that, say it, church, seems right. Man, I just feel like if I go down this path, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be fulfilled. I'm going to be satisfied. It seems right. It looks right. It feels right. But it ends in death. It ends in death. It ends in destruction. It ends in regret and remorse and, and shame and guilt. And, and, and we can all identify, there's probably been things in our life that we thought, you know, if I just had this, or I just had that, or I just had him, or I just had her, that would make me happy. And it ends up making a mess. Let me illustrate it this way. A few years ago, uh, my wife, Shelly, she doesn't ask for much. She really doesn't. Uh, she's not a high-maintenance wife at all. She, she's, she's incredible. And, but we, we've had a basset hound. She wanted a basset hound. And so we've had this basset hound for like eight years. This basset hound weighs like 60 pounds. It, it can't get on the furniture. It's not a lap dog. It sheds. It drools. You know. And she was like, I want a lap dog. I want another dog. You know. And Bella, our basset hound, needs a friend. And she wore me down, y'all. She wore me down, she worked me over, she got the kids, you know, on her side, and she had done a bunch of research, and she found out, she goes, I want a silky terrier. 
She said they're small, they're hypoallergenic, they don't shed, you know, they're a lap dog. And so she wore me down and she thought this would make her happy. And so we got this little girl right here, okay? Now, I know you're like, oh, she's so cute, she's so sweet, she's got a bow in her hair. This is a demon dog. Okay? Now, I know, I'm always making fun of the cat lovers. How many of y'all are cat lovers? Okay? All right? I'm always making fun of cats and cat lovers. I'm going to tell you a, a dog story, and it's a bad dog story. So I'm throwing you a bone, cat lovers. No pun intended, maybe a little. Okay? So we, she's just sure that this little dog is going to bring happiness into our home. And so we adopted her from another family that had her about seven or eight months, but couldn't keep her. I should have investigated further why, and I didn't. Not, your pastor's not always the brightest, you know? And so we get her home, and she is sweet, and she is cuddly, and she is a lap dog, and all of these great things, you know, and she doesn't eat much and all that. But this little princess here named Lola, that's what they named her, Lola, okay? Lola thought she was too good to go outside and potty. Yeah. And now the first couple of weeks we were like, well, she's just adjusting to the new house and all that. And then a month, it's still going on. Two months, it's still going on. We no longer have Lola. She's gone. Okay? Not gone, gone. I mean, we, we, we gifted her to another family. In our community. I'm just waiting for the person to come after one of these services to say, we now have Lola. Or they probably now gifted her to somebody else. But what we thought was going to bring happiness and joy made a big mess in our house and home. And you know, we've all had things like that in our life, haven't we? We thought, man, if I had this, if I had that, if I had him, if I had her, if I had this job, if I had this house, this, and it ends up making a mess. It ends up being a Lola in, in our life. And, and so when we believe that ultimately God just wants us to be happy, what, what happens is when we believe that, and that's our theology, we think we're allowed to do things sometimes that are wrong or unwise. We, we think, well, you know, we convince ourselves that, you know, even if it's wrong or unwise, but because I, I need to be happy, I'm going to do this. And, and listen, I, I want to say something, and I'm going to be sensitive about this because I'm a pastor, and I care about people, and I love people, and I, I don't want to hurt, I don't want to offend anybody, I don't want to hurt feelings, but, but I want to keep this real. And I understand some of you have gone through what I'm going to describe, and I, I, I'm not trying to condemn or judge or make anybody feel guilty. I, I never, I'm not aiming, people say, you're, you're stepping on my toes. I'm not aiming for your toes, I'm aiming for your heart. But man, I tell you, when I thought about this, there's an area that I see this happen all the time, and it's with marriage. You see this with marriages all the time happen. Two people fall in love, they get, get married, they say their vows, you know, I promise to be with you for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. And they get married, and then you meet them a few years later. Hey, how's it going? You know, where's, where's your wife? Where's your husband? We're not together any longer. We split up. We got divorced. Why? We just weren't happy. We just weren't happy. And listen, again, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. I'm talking to the marriages that right now, you, you're, you're just hanging on by a thread. You're in the worst, and you need to work toward the better. Because, l listen, let me just encourage you. When we got married, we said those vows. We made a covenant to each other, and we made a covenant before God. And we didn't say for better, for worse, or until we're no longer happy. And we need to remember that because if we believe that God just ultimately is highest priorities and make us happy, we end up making decisions that many times are wrong, and they're unwise. 
You know, maybe you're like, you know, I would really make me happy to eat cake. Now, notice I said eat cake. I didn't say eat a piece of cake. You know, it'd make me happy to eat cake. And you think it'd make you happy and it makes you sick. And there's consequences. I see people, you know, I, I can't stand my job. I hate my job. So I'm just going to quit my job. Tell my boss you can, you know, whatever. I cleaned that up a little bit. And, you know, and you quit your job and you don't have another job and you've got a wife and kids to take care of and a mortgage and bills to pay, that was not a wise decision. Also, you just could be happy. Now nobody's happy. You know, I've done it. We've all done it. We've made purchases that we shouldn't have made because we wanted to be happy. And if God ultimately just wants us to be happy, then it's okay if we overextend ourselves. It's okay if we put it on the credit card and pay it off eventually and we buy the house that we shouldn't buy or the car or we go on the vacation. Listen, summer's coming up. Go on vacation. You need time with your family. But the best vacations are the ones that don't follow you home for months afterward because the bills are coming in the mail. You know? It'd be better for you to go on a vacation that's paid for and just go camping somewhere for, for little to nothing than to spend a bunch of money because you're not going to be happy. And I see this happen with parents sometimes. You know, especially when my kids were growing up. My, my son was always playing sports. And man, they were always trying to get my son because he was a you know, gifted athlete at a young age. And, and they were trying to get him to play in the travel teams and spend thousands, I mean, eight, ten thousand dollars $10,000 a summer, you know, when he's like six years old. And they're like, there's going to be major league scouts there watching your kid, you know, like six. And, and, and we just said, no, we're not going to, we don't have that kind of money. We're not, we're not going to do it. And many of his friends that did that, by the time they got into high school, they were so burned out, they quit playing. And what we learned is if they're good enough, they're going to find him. And they found him. And, and I'm not trying to make you feel bad or feel guilty. I'm just trying to be real and proud. Can we keep it real, church? Sometimes we, we think that ultimate happiness allows us to do something wrong or unwise. And then we make a mess. And God doesn't want me happy if it causes me to do something wrong or unwise. Can we agree to that? Say yes. Here's a second time that I know God doesn't want me happy. God doesn't want me happy when it's based only upon the things of this world. Look at 1 John. You're in 1 Peter. Just turn a couple of books to the right to 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. God doesn't want me happy not only when it causes me to do something wrong or unwise. God doesn't want me happy when it is only based on the things of this world. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. We'll also put it on the screen. It says this. Do not love this what, church? Do not love this world. Now, notice, notice it's not talking about the people of the world. It's just talking about the world's way, the world's way of thinking, the world's system. Don't love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you don't have the love of the Father in you. I don't know about you guys, but that is a convicting verse to me. Am I the only one? That's convicting. Do not love this world nor the things in nor the, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers you, watch this, only a craving for physical pleasure. The things we think that will make us happy. A craving for everything we see that we think will make us happy. And pride in our achievements and possessions that we think, if I only achieve, achieve this, if I only possess this, then I'll be happy. These are not from who, church? They're not from the father but they're they're from this world and now watch this here's the real key why, why should we not love those things why should we not pursue those things and this world is fading away everybody say fading away, fading away. turn to your neighbor and say this world is fading away don't don't say you are fading away some of y'all okay 
And this world is fading away. All the things we think that are going to make us happy, along with everything that people crave. That's pretty all-encompassing. But anyone who does what pleases God will live how long, church? Live forever. God doesn't want me happy if it's only based on the things of this world. And, 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 you know, you don't have to look very far. I mean, everything this world is out there with marketing, you know, telling you that you got to have this to be happy. If you stay up late enough at night and start watching the infomercials like I do and you get roped in, man, every time I'm like, Shelly, you got to see this. This is the coolest invention known to man. I don't buy them, though. That's the good news. I know. And, and what I've learned, I've watched enough infomercials to know that the world tells you if you're going to be happy, you have to have three things. You have to have a blanket with holes in it, <laughs> Snuggy. You have to have lotions that make you look 22 again, and you have to have a shake weight. <laughs> How many of you have seen the commercial for the shake weight? Raise your hand, okay? I'm gonna put my hands behind my back right now. I'm not even gonna attempt to make the motions of the shake weight. Because it'll end on YouTube this afternoon, and it would be really embarrassing and really bad. But let me just tell you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just go YouTube it and check it out. The shake weight, that you need that. Uh, I, the people who created that are laughing all the way to the bank <laughs> that people would buy the shake weight. But, but you have this in your notes. Here's the formula for happiness. The world tells you, if you're going to be happy, this is the formula the world gives you. Better possessions. Bigger, faster, shinier, newer, peaceful circumstances, you know, no trials, no tribulations, no challenges, no difficulties, thrilling experiences, you know, the dream vacation that you can't afford, the right relationships, and if that person doesn't make you happy, find somebody that will make you happy, somebody newer, somebody younger, somebody prettier, somebody stronger, the perfect appearance, if you're going to be happy, you know, it's the perfect experience, uh, appearance, you know, so do whatever you got to do to make sure your appearance is right, you know, uh, tat it, tuck it, lift it, plump it, puff it, <laughs> whatever you got to do, because these things the world says equals happiness. Isn't that what the world tells us? And you know, as I was preparing this message this week, how sad I was reminded that the world cannot offer happiness. The Aaron Hernandez story. How many of y'all saw it? I mean, here's a guy that was an all-pro NFL football player for the New England Patriots, once signed to a $40 million contract, and he was found dead in his prison cell, suicide. And it was interesting, they said that on his forehead was written John 3.16, and the Bible was open on the bed. I hope he found the truth at the end. Sad story, but I, I promise you this, if Aaron Hernandez could come here on this stage this morning, he would tell you, I had everything the world had to offer and everything that money could buy, and I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy. You see, here's the problem. Happiness is based on happenings. And that's why so many people in the world today are not happy. Because when things that happen are good, they're happy, and when they're bad, they're not. And we ride this roller coaster of happiness. Because John told us this world is fading away. And happiness is based on happenings, and it's fading away. Listen, there's not going to be any snuggies or shake weights in heaven. Praise God. No way they would allow the shake weight in heaven. And, and, and you know, I would say it like this, that the, what the world offers is counterfeit happiness. It's counterfeit. It, I like to say it this way. It's cotton candy happiness. This guy found him some cotton candy, man. You talk about cotton candy. I mean, this guy, 
And it's like, these are all the things the world has to offer. And what the world offers is cotton candy happiness. Remember when you were a kid and you were at the circus or you were at the fair and you saw your first cotton candy? And you're like, oh my gosh, it's the biggest candy I've ever seen in the world. Mom, can I have it? Dad, can I have it? They pay $20 for air and sugar. And remember, you, you, you grab a handful of that thing and you're like, yeah, and you put it in your mouth. And you just, Whoa, where did, you got to get enough. It just disappears. It just evaporates. It fades away. You got to keep eating more and more and more, and you eat enough of it, and you're going to be sick and obese, okay? And that's a good picture of the world. The world is fading away, and God doesn't want me happy when it causes me to do something wrong or unwise or when it's based on the things of this world. Those are two times we know for sure God doesn't want us happy. And here's what I would encourage you with. And I would challenge and I would, I would argue all day long. Ultimately, God's highest priority is that it's not that he wants you happy. He wants you blessed. Okay, okay some of y'all weren't listening. That was a good news and should have been a response. God ultimately doesn't want you happy. He wants you blessed. Amen. Amen. And that's far better than happiness and what the world has to offer. And since you all didn't respond appropriately, I'm going to go into some deeper teaching on this, okay? The word blessed comes from the word makarios. Makarios, it means supremely blessed. The highest form of blessing, more than happy. Proverbs 10.22 says it this way. The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich, not just with money, but things that, with, that the world can't buy. That's what it's talking about. And he adds, I love this, no sorrow to it. No regret, no judgment, no condemnation, no shame. The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich. And he adds no sorrow with it. Now, when, when I say that God ultimately doesn't want you happy, he wants you blessed. Blessing doesn't mean that you never get sick, you never lose your job, you never have a car breakdown, you don't get a zit you know, on your nose before prom, that God answers all your prayers and gives you the dream home. It just means that it's something that this world cannot offer, that even in the valleys and the difficult and challenging times of life, we, we, we may not be happy because happiness is based on happenings, but we can say, I'm still blessed. God's still with me. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. Jesus said it this way in John 16, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in the world. No, peace in who? In me, in Jesus, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Can anybody give a testimony to that? You will. But take heart because I have overcome the world. Happiness is based on happenings. Listen, church. But joy is based on Jesus. Amen. And there's a big difference. Big difference. And what that means is that it doesn't mean we never struggle, but what it means is that when we go through the pains of life, that we have a God of all comfort that we can go to during the painful times of life. It means that when we go through the storms of life, that he can give us the peace that surpasses all human understanding. It means that when we go through the weak times of our life, that when we are weak, he is strong, and that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. It means that when we go through the trials and tribulations of life, we can go through them with joy. How can we do that? James says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the trying of your faith produces patience, and allow patience to have its perfect work so that you will be perfect, complete, and lacking nothing because even though happiness is based upon happenings, joy is based on Jesus. And it's blessings. It's the blessed life. 
And when we go through those difficult times of life and we walk through them with Jesus because we're pursuing, we're not pursuing happiness, we're pursuing him, we would say things like this, I wouldn't choose that, but God used that. I wouldn't choose it, but God used it. And I'm a blessed person, and I'm living a blessed life because of my relationship with Jesus. Psalm says it this in Psalm 37.4. And, and let me just tell you, this almost made it into our series because this is one of the most misquoted, out-of-context verses in the Bible. Take delight in who, church? In the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Have you heard people quote that say, hey, man, if I just follow the Lord, he's going to give me anything I want. No, 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 we, we, we don't understand what this is saying. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. This word delight comes from the Hebrew word anag, not eggnog, anag, okay? And, and I love the Hebrew words because they have depth and meaning and texture and they paint pictures. And it means that as we enjoy a personal, loving, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ and his word and the Holy Spirit, as we enjoy that, he, he makes us soft and pliable, that's what this word delight means. It means to enjoy or it means soft and pliable. And that, that he, he works our life and he shapes our life and he stretches our life as we pursue him instead of pursuing happiness. And what happens is supernaturally his desires become our desires. And we don't desire the things of the world so much anymore. We desire him. And again, the blessings. It's, it, the ultimate priority of God is not happiness. It's blessing. And that doesn't mean pain-free or perfect life, but it means that there's joy unspeakable. It means that there's peace. It means that there's strength. It's, 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 not, it's not natural. It's not of this world. It's supernatural. It's his super meeting my natural. Amen. That this world doesn't understand and knows nothing of. But as Christ followers, as believers in Jesus, we do. Or at least we should. Let, let me wrap it up with this illustration. Let's say you get to go to the beach this summer. We enjoy the mountains, so a lot of times we go on vacation, we want to go to the, go to the ocean. And, and you're there on the ocean, and, and you're kind of in the shallow end, and the swish, this, this fish comes swimming by, and you grab the fish, and it's a really pretty, beautiful fish, and it's alive, and so you want your family members to see the fish. So you take the fish out of the water, and you lay the fish on the sand of the beach to go get your family to see the fish that you've caught with your bare hands. Now, let me ask you this question. Is the fish happy? No. Okay, well, you, you see the fish is struggling. The fish is not happy. You want to make sure your fish is happy. So you go over and you get a pile of money. You get $100,000 and you lay it next to the fish. Is the fish now happy? Oh, okay, I know what. We're going to get a beach chair and we're going to get some sunglasses. So you, you, you prop up the chair, you put the fish with the money, with the sunglasses in the beach chair and an umbrella. Is the fish now happy? Okay, y'all are like getting softer in your nose. Okay, is the, you're like, well, maybe. Is the fish, I'm not, I'm not done. Oh, okay, just wait. You, is the fish now happy? Okay, I know. I know what we're going to do. We're going to get the fish a cold Corona with a lime some sunglasses and a Playfish magazine and you're you give that to the fish is the fish now happy in the first service a teenager right down here said yeah you know the fish is there he's kicked back in the chair he's on the beach he's got his corona he's got his sunglasses he's got his Playfish magazine he's like look at the tail on that I mean 
Are those gills real? Okay, I'm sorry, I went too far. I went, went too far. No, the fish is not happy. Why is the fish not happy? You know why. Because the fish wasn't created to live on the beach. The fish was created to live in the ocean. The fish was created for the water, not the sand. And no matter what you do, the fish is not going to be happy. And listen to what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3.19. He said, there are those that they think only about this life. Where, church? Here on earth. But we... As believers in Jesus Christ, now if you're here and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, I, listen, I'm sure you're chasing the things of the world to think, you know, I, that's what I would do too. But as believers, we are citizens of heaven. Like the old song used to say, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. We're citizens of heaven, not of earth. We're where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. And when he returns, he's coming to get us, to take us to our forever eternal home that we were created for. We weren't created for this earth. We weren't created for this life. We were created for heaven and eternity and nothing on this earth will ever ultimately make us happy. And I have to remind myself of that all the time. We gotta lower our expectations, folks we got to lower our expectations of thinking the things of this world are going to make us happy and fulfilled and satisfied. Thinking that power is going to make us happy or a position is going to make us happy or, or a certain possession or, a, or, or people or prosperity. And some of you know. You know this. You know what I'm saying is true. You've partied your brains out. You, it's all about making money. It's all about going up the corporate ladder. And every time you get to a rung, they raise the bar. You, you, you've, you've chased after relationship after relationship and you're empty. You're empty. So how can we ultimately be happy? How can we be fulfilled and satisfied? Well, I began by telling you that I, I would love to tell you that ultimately God's number one priority is your happiness. And I even quoted a verse in Psalm 97.12. But I, I misquoted it on purpose. I took it out of context. How many of y'all would agree that you can make the Bible say anything you want when you take it out of context, right? Let me give it to you in its context. Psalm 97, 12. May all who are godly be happy in the Lord and praise His holy name. There it is. It's only in the Lord, in our right relationship with Him and, and, and the blessed life and the things that the world cannot offer. Because there's a God-shaped void in all of our lives that only He can fill. And anything else we try to put in that spot, it's like trying to shove a square peg in a round hole. And I would argue all day long that above all else, God does not want me and he does not want you to pursue happiness. He wants us to pursue him Amen. and his holiness and a right relationship with him. And as we delight ourselves in the Lord, he will give us the desires of our heart that his desires would be our desires and we can experience the blessed life. Father, thank you for your word this morning. May we pursue you more than anything else. May we delight in you and may your desires be our desires. As we continue in an attitude of prayer right now with heads bowed and eyes closed, how many of you would, as believers in Jesus Christ, you'd be honest enough to say that, you know what, God, God has spoken to me today. I've been pursuing happiness more than I've been pursuing God. And I want to be blessed. I want to be blessed. 
I want his desires to be my desires. How many of you would be honest enough to just slip up your hand for prayer so I could pray for you and say, yep, that's me, that's me. And my hand's up with you, church. Lift them up, nice and high. Lift them up, nice and high. God bless you. Hands everywhere, everywhere. God bless you. Let me pray for all of us. Father, I pray that your spirit would speak to our hearts today through your word and that our number one desire would be our pursuit of you, not happiness, not the things of this world that are fading away. Father, forgive me for the times that I I slip into this as well. I'm human. I'm not perfect. And Lord, I pray that we would, would, today would be a wake-up call for us, that we would want the blessed life, the supernatural life, and that we would put you first, that we would seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, and then all of the other things would be added unto us, and your desires would become our desires. Continue in an attitude of prayer right now. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Some of you are here today, and you're not here by coincidence or accident. God, God is speaking to you because you have been pursuing happiness your entire life. You've been t- pursuing the things of this life and that you thought would make you happy. You've been chasing happiness, and you know, and God knows, you are empty. You are empty. You are empty. You're unsatisfied. You're unfulfilled because there is a God-shaped void in your life that is reserved for only one person and his name is Jesus and today he's inviting you to say yes to him to a relationship with him to have your sins forgiven eternal life a home in heaven so that you will realize you know this world is not my home I'm just a passing through and my ultimate fulfillment and peace and satisfaction and joy and blessing is going to come from Jesus not from the things of this world, but, but you, it starts by accepting Jesus. And if you've never done that, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. You say, well, what do I got to do? I'm not going to ask you to stand up, speak up, or come up. I'm just going to ask you to be willing to pray this prayer that I'm going to give you in just a moment from your heart to God's. Now, it's not a magic prayer or magic words, but if you believe it and it's genuine, then you can say yes to Jesus today. You can invite him into your life so you know who you are. Would you pray this prayer with me? I'll help you with the words. It goes like this. Jesus Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I'm saying yes to you today, Jesus. Yes. I'm tired of being let down by the world. I want you and I need you. Forgive me of my sins. I accept the gift of salvation today. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me, dying for me. Thank you. Thank you. So we continue an attitude of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed. Nobody looking around. Listen, I don't want to embarrass anybody. I never want to do that. But if you just prayed that prayer and you know who you are, you just made the most important decision of your entire life. And we take that very seriously here at Orchard Church. And so right now, I'd like to pray for you. And so I'm going to ask you, if you prayed that prayer on the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand just so I can see it because I want to pray for you that you grow in your walk and relationship with Jesus from this day forward. One, two, three. Lift up your hand all across the auditorium. Lift them up. Keep them up nice and high. One, two, three, four over here. One, two, three, four over there. One, two, a couple people up here. One, two, three, four, five. God bless you guys over here. A couple of people up there. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. If I didn't see your hand, God did. God sees your heart. Let me pray for you. But listen, as I'm praying for you right now, those of you who raised your hand, if you were serious about your decision, and I believe you were, you, you may wonder, what, what next? You know, if I just made the most important decision of my life, what next? Here, here's what's next. I'm going to ask you to take out that connection card right now that's in your newsletter. Grab a pen and check that box on the back that says, I accepted Christ today. 
and give me your name and your mailing address because we're going to continue to pray for you by name. We're going to send you a free little book in the mail called Seven Steps to Joy to help you in your new journey with Jesus. You, you just be filling that out right now as, as we all, as a church family, pray for you. Father, we thank you for all those putting their faith and trust in you today. We pray that they would grow in their walk and relationship with you from this day forward, that they would fall in love with you, that they would pursue you, and that we would all pursue you more than anything else. We thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy. We pray, Lord, that we would pursue the blessed life Happiness is based on happenings, but joy is based on Jesus. And we love you, Jesus, because you first loved us. And we welcome our new brothers and sisters in Christ into the family of God today. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Can we welcome some new brothers and sisters in Christ? Amen, amen, amen. Those of you that raised your hand to accept Christ, keep filling out that card. When you're finished, the offering's going to go by in a minute. Just drop that in the offering bucket so we can send you that book and continue praying for you. Please let us know about your decision. If you're a first-time guest today at Orchard, thanks so much for being our guest. Uh, hopefully, you fill out the guest connection card. Please drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by. We are not interested in your money today, first-time guest, but we're definitely interested in getting to know you. All we're going to do is send you a thank you note and a free gift in the mail, thanking you for being our guest. If you're new to Orchard Church and I haven't had the privilege to meet you, I would love to do so. So I'll be hanging out by the white tent in the courtyard after services. I will not do the dance again for you, though. I had requests after first service. Okay, that was like a one-time thing. But if you want to come to the third service, I'll do it again. Um, so, so come by and do that. I'm totally lost my train of thought now, what I was going to say. Uh, next week, I hope you guys enjoyed the first week of God Never Said That. Next week, uh, we are going to answer this one. People say, you know, it really doesn't matter what you do as long as it doesn't hurt anyone, okay? God never said that. So you want to come and hear that next week. It's going to be an encouraging, challenging message. Uh, bring your friends. Bring somebody with you next uh, week. We're also going to do this. Um, after this four-week series, uh, which will end on Mother's Day, we have one Sunday before Memorial Memorial Day, and we're going to take a Sunday, we do this from time to time with some of our series to make them very practical and real, we're going to answer your questions, okay, so right now, if, if you had a question during this message today, you're like, man, he didn't answer this, I wish I could ask that, and you, you have a question about this series, don't ask like, why is Pastor Doug so vertically challenged, don't ask those kind of questions, okay, all right, just anything about this series, any week, write your question on your connection card. We don't need your name. We don't need any information. Just write it on the other line. Drop it in the offering bucket. We're going to collect those over the next four weeks, and we're going to take a Sunday, and we're going to answer your questions and talk about it. And, and that's always a great, real practical way uh, to apply these things, so, so we'll do that. Right now, let's stand as we close in a song of worship. Worship the Lord through our gifts, through our tithes and offerings of all the people. Easter weekend that we help find Jesus. Those of you that give uh, regularly, generously here at Orchard Church, you have a part in that. Let's continue to have a part in that. Give back to the Lord who's given everything to us. I love you, Orchard Church. Have a wonderful afternoon, and we'll see you next week.